Welcome everybody to the New Flesh Podcast. This is Mano Amano. My name is Jonathan Astro. With me is Ricky Allpike and Yuri. Gentlemen, how are we? Good, good. Doing well. Happy to be back once again. Raring to go. Raring to go. I'm I'm so excited. I love this show. I, I know I shouldn't just tongue bath you guys, but you know, <laughs> I, love, I love this show. <laughs> Sounds gross. It's <laughs> it fucking gross. gross. <laughs> it's the only reason I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for the tongue baths. That's good. Well, tonight I believe we we are doing it's it's Van Damage tonight. Okay, so the muscles from Brussels. We're doing uh, Cyborg and Bloodsport, both Canon films. We also did a little bit of research and watched the Canon documentary uh, uh, called um, Electric Boogaloo. Mm. So that will inform some of what we have to say. Maybe we launch uh, without further ado into Cyborg. Welcome to the world of the not too distant future. Get going! Go! A brutal gang is reshaping the world into their own vision of hell. And only one man can stop them. Jean-Claude Van Damme is leading the battle between good and evil. Take them out. As it's never been fought before. He's on a desperate mission to rescue a cyborg who holds the secret for saving the world. Why did you help me? I don't want to see you die. From the dust of destruction rises the warrior of a new age. Say goodbye, my friend. Jean-Claude Van Damme has become the first hero of the 21st century. Cyborg, also known as Slinger in some countries, is a 1989 American martial arts cyberpunk film directed by Albert Pune. A plague known as the living death cripples civilization. A small group of surviving scientists and doctors located in Atlanta work on a cure to save what remains of humanity. To complete their work, they need information stored on a computer system in New York City. Pearl Prophet, played by Dale Haddon, volunteers for the dangerous courier mission and is made into a cyborg through surgical augmentation. Pearl, accompanied by bodyguard Marshall Strat, played by Alex Daniels, retrieves the data in New York, but is pursued by the vicious Fender Tremolo, Vincent Klein, and his gang of pirates. Fender wants the cure so he can have a monopoly on its production. Strat, badly injured while fighting the pirates, tells Pearl to leave him and find a mercenary known as a slinger who can escort her to safety. She gets cornered, but is saved by a slinger named Gibson Rickenbacker, played by Jean-Claude Van Damme. After she explains her situation, they are overrun by Fender's gang, and Gibson is knocked out by falling debris. Fender demands that she accompany him to Atlanta or die. Fender's gang slaughters a family and steals their boat. They head for Atlanta via the intercoastal waterway uh, with the captive Pearl. Gibson, who has been tracking the pirates, arrives at the scene of the slaughter later that night. A shadowy figure attacks him, but he disables her. She turns out to be Natty Simmons, played by Deborah Richter, a young woman who mistook him as a pirate. 
Natty, whose family was wiped out by the plague, joins Gibson. Gibson is less concerned with a cure for the plague than with killing Fender. Gibson and Natty trek southwards through the wastelands where the bandits ambush them. Concerned for Natty, Gibson unsuccessfully attempts to convince her to stay away. After declining sex with Natty, Gibson reveals that all he cares about is revenge against Fender, who killed his lover and destroyed his chance to have a normal life and family. Intercepting Fender and his crew near Charleston, South Carolina, Gibson defeats most of his men, but Fender shoots him with an air rifle. Now nursing a gunshot wound, Gibson realises Haley, his dead lover's younger sister, whom Fender kidnapped, is now a loyal member of Fender's crew. He flees the pirates and ends up alone with Pearl and Natty. Pearl refuses to go with him. She calculates that Gibson is not strong enough to defeat Fender and will be unable to get her to Atlanta safely. She says she'll go uh, along with Fender and lure him to his death in Atlanta, where she has resources at her disposal. Tired, wounded, and badly outnumbered, Gibson flees with Natty through the sewer into a salt marsh, where they are pursued by the rest of the pirates and eventually separated from each other. Gibson is thoroughly beaten by Fender and crucified high on the mast of a beached, derelict ship. Uh, Haley lingers at the scene, but still leaves with Fender. Gibson spends the night on the cross. Uh, in the morning near death, he kicks the mast re- repeatedly with his dangling foot in a last fit of rage. The mast snaps, sending him crashing to the ground. His arms still tied and nailed to the cross. Uh, finally, Natty appears out of the mast to free him. Gibson and Natty intercept Fender once again at Atlanta, this time better prepared. Fender's gang is taken down one by one until he and Gibson face off. During their fight, Natty rushes Fender with a knife, but he stabs and kills her. Gibson, in turn, stabs Fender in the chest. Thinking him dead, Gibson embraces Haley, who during the battle turned decisively against Fender. However, Fender gets back up and they continue to battle in a nearby shed, where Gibson finally kills Fender by impaling him on a meat hook. Uh, Gibson and Haley escort Pearl to her final destination before heading back off. And that is where the film ends. Yuri. Tell me about this film. What what the fuck? Um, fuck Tufano. <laughs> uh, I'd uh, I'd never seen this before, and uh, I was a little bit excited. It's like, oh, it's a Van Damme movie I've never seen. Maybe, maybe it'll be like some sort of hidden gem. And it, oh god, no, no, <laughs> just no. Well, we we're doing Cyborg first, so that we can end on Bloodsport, which is a, a far superior movie. Oh yeah, but this film has. Uh, what can only be described as a Frankenstein feel. It's it's sci-fi, but it's but it's medieval at the same time. You know, it's Blade Runner meets Conan the Barbarian meets Mad Max. You know, um, it's interesting uh, that the film used uh, sets and costumes from uh, from the Masters of the Universe sequel that was never made, uh, as well as a live-action Spider-Man film that had to be cancelled uh, because of canon's financial troubles uh and you can kind of see that it looks kind of cheap and sort of the costumes and the sets are kind of knocked together there's about 10 people in the movie that's right yeah well they they also uh, a lot of the henchmen have dual roles as well to make it look like there's more cast members so they also kept reusing shots oh god so there's you know the pirates have got that their boat oh yes uh like they got two exteriors of this boat sailing mm. down the river, and they used both those two shots twice in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I got the feeling that... So you can't do that? Well, um, probably not the most effective way <laughs> to sell a journey from a long journey from one point to another by right. just showing it. it. You know what? I 
I don't know whether I picked up on that, but I did feel as though the journey was just like a 20-minute ferry ride across the river, you know? Mm. Oh, it like the, I mean, the editing made zero sense. It was just awful. Like, um, and I mean, I don't necessarily want to blame the editor. It, it, like, it might have been all they filmed, but yeah, th- there was no sense of journey. And then other times, uh, people just teleported places. Um, so it was <laughs> there was that that first that weird kind of almost pointless showdown. Um, the first one. Uh, with Van Damme and his little sidekick in some like abandoned warehouse with his team of, I mean, they didn't even seem to be pirates. They just seemed the, the main villains. They just seemed to be this separate group of villains that they got Jean-Claude to just kick their ass for no reason. Hmm. Um, as soon as that scene was over, they just teleported to the beach. Like <laughs> the next shot. Right. Well, well, what do you know that, that Jean-Claude Van Damme, he re-edited the, edited the film. So what you're watching is his edits. But when we say that, like, because this he did the same thing allegedly on him and Raimi, I think did on a hard target, I think at least uh, much later. And um, when we say that, what we mean is he sat in a room and pointed at the moviola, and the poor editor <laughs> did the <laughs> yeah, did right. the work, right, Yuri? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he he probably said some stupid ideas. Maybe wanted to cut some scenes, extended other ones. Probably c- clicked his fingers a lot, which um drives me personally and probably a lot of other editors absolutely <laughs> fucking insane. Um, so, yeah, I, I, think, I think saying he re-edited is maybe like a generous reading uh, of, of his involvement. They mentioned it on the doco, on the Canon doco. Mm. They say yeah. that the original cut was um, well, allegedly even worse. Mm. Um, I feel like I can see, but I feel like I can see the editors working. I think you're right, Yuri. It's not their fault. Like I can actually see their creativity and how they've tried to make this, you know, into a, a product, you know what I mean? Like God knows what it was before, but I see a lot of hard work, you know, in, in trying to, to craft this into, into something. Although what they have to work with is oh, very difficult. Yeah. Well, if, if we pull back a little bit, the, the thing that, um, the, I think the worst thing about this film is that the premise is not very well explained, you know, right. like, the idea of of slingers being almost you can compare it to to blade runner in a way like you've got these mercenary type guys that have a very specific uh set of skills that do a very specific job and that that's not really explained in enough detail to get a sense of who van damme is and it would have been so simple to just have some sort of text at the start of the film like in blade runner says what 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 um a slinger is yeah what a slinger is but but you know like in blade runner it tells you what a blade runner is and straight away you go oh okay i get it he's a you know he's a guy who takes out takes out the replicants you know whereas he's like he's like a, a hired companion is he yes he is he's like a he's like <laughs> is that a, what a slinger is <laughs> is it i think he's in- a guy that escorts people like a bodyguard out of the city <laughs> okay all right it, I, th- I think it was kind of you, you picked it up from one of the many incredibly overlong flashbacks. Oh yes, um, where uh, I think there's almost like a line uh, where with this woman's hired him to escort them out, and she says, "Can you do it?" And he says something along the lines of, "That's what slingers do," or something like that, and like that's it. Okay. And if you miss it, you go, "What slinger?" 
Well, hang on. Um, in, in my notes here, I've actually got uh, the original theatrical version does. Um, oh, hang on. No, that's not right. Oh, no. I've got the original theatrical version does not explain what slingers are. In the director's cut, the opening crawl defines slingers as hired warriors who safely escort people out of cities and protect them from the pirates. So I guess there's a, another version out there, a director's cut version that explains what slingers are, I guess. Right. It's- this movie's 82 minutes long. <laughs> Think about that. The, the, the flashbacks, so the, the, the flashback to, to that woman who hired him and her two kids and then, you know, he grows attached to the kids and ends up having a relationship with a woman and all this other stuff, like the whole backstory, they run that whole thing through twice. They do. So you get it in bits during the movie and then once you get all of it, they just replay the whole thing at once like they were trying to like just add length to the movie because they yeah. were under time. <laughs> otherwise, the movie would be like sixty minutes long. Yeah, otherwise they like <laughs> wouldn't have been able to like you know hit some sort of uh, a minimal length for I don't know some sort of release that they that they had to um yeah. you know deliver to. But yeah, so there's a couple of things. Look, this movie was made for five hundred thousand dollars, and it made ten million. <laughs> It made a wow. shitload of money. That made ten million dollars. That's just at the, at the at the box office. So, video it would have done well. It spawned mm. two sequels, um, directed video nonsense. But so this movie actually did quite well when you think about it. Well, I think that's a pretty good return on five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and um, it seems like they had some backlots, uh, like two special effects shots uh, with the cyborg, a rain tower, and some fire in some cans. Um, mm. That was that was it, you know. It was like a trauma film, you know, and um, like no extras, no extras. <laughs> yeah. Everyone in it is a is, is a main character, <laughs> you know. And you see him twice. Yeah. So, but the overall, this movie is a couple for me. Uh, it is a cheap and nasty film, and um, it's it, the tone is it's really nasty, you know. Like there's something about it, like it seems to be much more punishing than. A lot of other films, it's it's got that. Uh, I mean, quite frankly, the the bad guys and the, led by that main bad guy who's a who's a surfer. I think he, um, mm-hmm. he might be in Point Break. Is he? He is. Yeah, he's he's one of the uh, bad guys uh, in the in the drug those drug surfies that are very memorable yeah. bad guy. And anyway, he's doing he he's quite busy in this movie. He does the prologue. Um, you know. <laughs> If you notice that, he says, "I like this world." That, that's that's about the only thing I think I maybe enjoyed about the movie. Well, but the, the bad guys are the, these are canon bad guys to me. This is uh, this is the like the Cobra bad guys. You know what I mean? Like, but I did also like the idea of the villain doing the opening, but doing the prologue and the narration. Yes. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen the villain do that before. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, it starts true. out where he's just explaining it, and then at the end he goes. Not me. I like this world. I like it shit or, or you know whatever he says. I'm like, "Ah, oh, that's different. That's kind of cool." Yeah, well, I thought I I thought that was good too, you know. But tonally overall, like just if you add it all up, there's there's, you know, there's the killing of the family and like the just the wanton slitting of throats and well, the way it opens with with people on stakes, like dead people on stakes rotting and there's like holding up severed heads and stuff. That that yeah. that's a different movie when you're doing that. When you're holding up severed heads you know that really puts you in a special category, you know, because it's so it's so uh, intense. It's, it's very intense imagery. Mm. Um, 
So I think that there's something about it all adds up to being quite quite nasty um, uh, in tone. And uh, but overall, I think it, to me, it, it's kind of just like a JCVD audition tape because he looks fantastic in it. Like his body's great. You know, he's you know a, 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 the right age. You know, to be king of the world. Um, I don't know. It's it's. Uh, I mean, what do you guys think? Did you in terms of it being Van Dam's? I didn't even really think it was a good uh, audition reel for him. Because the action in it, and especially from a martial arts point of view, I think is kind of shitty. <laughs> yeah, um, like the, the, right. the fights, the, the the they're not well choreographed. Yes, um, he throws a lot of punches, and I'd not realized before. It's like, oh, he he can't really throw punches because his kicks are, are just spectacular. Mm. By the way that man kicks is is you know. I don't know if I've seen anyone kick more beautifully than this fucking guy, but when it comes to his hands, not so much when it comes to firing weapons, not so much. And that's what they kind of do more of. So I don't think they even kind of nailed that part. Well, maybe I changed what I said. I think it looks, it's, it's a good eight by 10 of him. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, (laughs) it's, it's it's not a good, uh, you know, everything else isn't good. But the way he looks is good. Mm. <laughs> I I found just just talking about the 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 martial arts for a second. I found like a lot of the kicks and punches look like they were in fake slow motion. Mm. You know, a bit like Police Squad. You know, in, pol- <laughs> in Police Squad, <laughs> we reviewed this a while ago. It's a Leslie Nielsen film. Oh no, a, a TV show where there's this uh, funny bit. Yeah, where a guy it basically it's supposed to be a slow motion like gunshot coming out and killing someone, but you know he's just pretending to do it in slow motion but that's how i felt like a lot of these these kicks and punches were like that it was a bit strange to me i mean maybe i don't know because you you know you'd kind of hear um stories i guess that uh supposedly bruce lee uh had to slow his movements down because he was too quick for the camera to actually catch him properly um so maybe they believe that, maybe that. But then again, this uh, this came after Bloodsport, or at least it was released after Bloodsport, and there was none of that sort of stuff. It just comes down to to you know resources, direct directing, direction, all of that stuff, you know. And I mean, the, 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 there's a lot of bad stuff here, particularly around the, the martial arts. Like you know, I've never seen more people waiting to take their hits in, <laughs> yeah. in my life. Like yeah. you know. I've got a good tolerance for that. Like, I don't mind it in Seagal. Like, I like it in Seagal movies when the guys fan out and get mm-hmm. ready to come in one by one. I like that. I'm like, yeah, all right, they know the drill. You know, but here yeah. there was so much of people being right up close to each other and, and a guy like, you know, if you've done one boxing class, in the first one they'd, they'd probably say, okay, never take your, your, your fist away from your jaw. Like, you know, never take it away from your your face like you know what i mean like so whereas there's so much in this of people with like basically their hands in their pockets holding their face out saying um you know i'm ready maybe they didn't have a stunt coordinator on this one maybe they were just kind of extras that that van damme was um trying not to kick the shit out of and and maybe that's why he kind of had to slow things down um well he did take out a guy's fucking eye he did yeah 
So I'm sure that was that coming up in trivia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, beat, you beat me to it. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> but we're talking about the stunts, how shitty yeah, they were. Yeah. Clearly, there was such some shit got missed because he took a guy's eye out, and then the guy With the sword, yeah, sued. What well, I'm presumably it said it sued him. Jesus, it was on, and he got five hundred thousand or whatever. Yeah, yeah almost five hundred thousand. Yeah, it did say that he took. Uh, so, so he got the budget of the Claude. movie. <laughs> he did. He did. Yeah. He did. So that's terrible. Um, but uh, other bad things, the endless punching back and forth, so boring, you know, just like whoppish, 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 you know, like back and, <laughs> like back and forth. You know what I mean, Yuri? You know, when you just watch two yeah. people just go whoosh and there's no impact, there's no damage, like accumulative damage, you know? No, and and um, clearly the bad guy also um, couldn't really throw a punch Mm. Um, so they kind of did that, you know, it's, it's filmed too close. It's too choppy. You know, it, it's kind of, um, you know, the, the choreography sucks. So they've tried to cut action into it as opposed to shoot action, you know, yes. kind of like in, in, you know, like the, some of the, the taken sequels where Liam Neeson is, you know, almost a geriatric. So they do like a million cuts for him to do the simplest thing to, to trick you into thinking that he's doing something impressive physically and he's really not. Mm. Um, so, and, and that, uh, you know, even, even if you're not aware of what you're seeing, that does, like you said, lead to a very boring and unwatchable fight. Um, and yeah, you're right. No, no accumulation, no damage. Like no, I, I don't remember like accumulation of like damage in either of them, like makeup effects or something. You know, as as the fight progressed or anything like that. It, it just... there is a bit of that before it gets crucified, though, right? Yeah, like he, like he gets beaten bit. by by Fender, and then I, I I think all the punching happened in 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 the final showdown. Though, is, is that what you were um referring to, Astro? I definitely was referring to that <laughs> shitty climax in the rain, endless <laughs> punching, endless. I I've got I've got an issue with that ending because first of all, how did Van Dam beat the boat to Atlanta. Yeah, how did he get and, there first? And get crucified, like, on the way. So he was crucified, and then all of a sudden he got there before them and was waiting. He did. and But also, the the way he, he attacks them just, like, like, appears in front of all of them is basically the same tactic that he used back in that sort of abandoned... Um, it looks like an abandoned build, like a high, a high rise building somewhere where he's got to run away. Mm. So, But he's doing the same thing. He you uses know, his bow and arrow once. And he, he uses bow and arrow once. Like, like you, well, like, he, he his tactic should have been, he should have, his tactic. <laughs> That's what slingers do. Slingers turn up, they give you a warning shot, and then they run away. So, yeah. so, they, so they, they have their one and only weapon. Yeah. They use it only to get rid of the element of surprise, which might be their only possible advantage in that situation, and then yeah. they throw it down. I know. The, the Pachikas with him should have gone, uh, you know, don't you think we should? Don't you think you should put an arrow through the lead guy? Cut off the head of the seekers? Yeah. No. He goes, no, no. What I do is I shoot it near his feet, and then he look me, and then then I fight him. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. He should have picked them off like like ambush style, like like Rambo might have done. No, you you don't know what it is to be a slinger. <laughs> apparently also when you're a slinger um before you fight the main bad guy you just stand shirtless in the rain for a good two minutes admiring each other then you fight yes 
did, did you did you notice how long they just stood there, just almost admiring each other's physique? Well, they did. They've got pretty good rigs, and um, you know that they do. But you th- it did, look, it was a lot. It was a lot. I, I, there was no narrative drive. I just was like, "What the hell is this?" Mm. You know. Um. So, a couple of other things. I um. I feel like, you know, oh, just it's really hard. There's a lot of garbage here. So oh, yeah, there's <laughs> there's one thing. Here we go. Did you notice that in this movie, in two on two separate occasions? There is what uh, what we used to call in the old parlance uh, scrag fights. So yeah. <laughs> basically, the the, <laughs> the guys are fighting, <laughs> and then the chicks have their little fight. Yeah. Did you yeah. notice this on yes. two separate occasions? The chick because she fought with different chicks, right? Both times. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So this movie knows the score. Okay. This movie knows the score. This movie's not Captain Marvel. It's not. It's not all all like you know. It's one of these modern movies where. It's like um, just a hot, thin model who is just kicking that butt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kicking that butt all the way. Kicking male butt. Yeah. Oh no! Just like doesn't matter how big it is. Could be. Could be um, an actual wrestler, and she's kicking his butt. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas Cyborg says back then, back in 1989, <laughs> they were like, okay, they were like, okay. So anyway, the fight's going over here. Okay, so so uh, the scrag fight that happens over here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then they pair yeah. off. You yeah. know? So I'm not I'm not advocating for it. I'm just saying it happened in the movie. Okay, twice, twice. <laughs> they made a point of it. They made a point. Yeah. They were like they were like oh, they, like they would have said something that you, that's verboten. Now they'd be like oh no, there's no way those guys that, that like you know if that chick fought one of the guys, you'd just kill her straight away. Yeah, and then like that now that guy would be quietly fired. That, that, the, the, the grip who said that, yeah. the grip or the lighting guy who said that he be quietly fired. And they'd yeah, say, yeah, yeah. they'd say, um, that's it for you. Yeah, the director would be like, who said that? Who said that? Yeah. <laughs> who the fuck said that? <laughs> I mean, w- <laughs> would, it, would it be the director or or the 21-year-old work experience kid? Probably. Yeah. It would they'd just be like, <laughs> you know, I felt unsafe. Why? Why? Yeah, oh, that guy yeah, said yeah, that yeah. that guy said that um you know, Olivia Munn couldn't beat um, you know, fucking Tyler Maine or whatever. And then you yeah. go. And then they say, oh, yes, yes. Well, anyway, don't worry. Um, before you finish the sentence, I already fired the man who said it. So don't yeah. worry. Don't worry. <laughs> don't, don't worry. He's going to struggle to pay his mortgage from now on. It's he fine. Will. He yeah. will. Hey, now, Yuri, I've got a technical question to ask mm-hmm. you. Is there something weird going on with the cinematography in this film? Because I, I looked, I kept thinking that that the whole thing was stretched a little bit, like oh, whether you... my t- there was something wrong with my TV or something wrong with the version that I was watching or? Well, I mean, I ended up paying for this piece of shit, um, which is maybe why I'm even angrier at it. Like, uh, so the version <laughs> I watched, I got through uh, iMovie. How much is, how much is that back? Five bucks for the rental. <laughs> wow, shit. you're never going to get that back. <laughs> no, no, I'm really not. Um but even the version I watched, yeah, it, it was. I think it's basically a shitty transfer. So I think there was some interlacing issues in the very early scenes, or at least some of that seemed low res. And then, yeah, it was it was all a bit of a mess, and even like a technical mess. Um, you know, there were scenes where I think they'd done pickup shoots where the lighting conditions changed drastically as they intercut from one kind of close up to another one. So. You know, once a few of those things popped up, I stopped paying attention to the technical side of what was going on. So 
I mean, it, it may well have been stretched. It may not have. I, yeah, there was just so much crap. It, <laughs> I just, yeah, yeah stopped Look, caring without, after a while. Without giving away the, the, the magic of the man behind the curtain, um, I can say if you're using VLC to watch this, then you just need to go to aspect ratio and change it to 16.9 because it's a bit stretched. Right? Okay. <laughs> Maybe cut that bit out. <laughs> Hello. Um, just to find one uh, back at you, um, All Pike. Uh, the bad guy's name, uh, Fender Tremolo. I mean, do, do I think have someone this was down. a Gibson fan that 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 went. I fucking hate Fenders and their Tremolo bars. Well, well, listen. I had this in my trivia, and it's and it is probably the thing I hate most about this film. <laughs> Every Names. character's name is the name of a musical oh, instrument or a manufacturer. So you've yeah. got Gibson Rickenbacker. Gibson is, yep, a, is yep. a guitar company. So Rickenbacker's guitars. Uh, Natty Simmons. Simmons is drums. Natty is is some other uh, uh, synthesizer, I think. Uh, then you've got the Fender Tremolo. Uh, Fender Strats famously come with a tremolo arm, also known as a whammy bar. Uh, then you've got Marshall Strat, Marshall yep. amplifiers, you know, Fender Strat guitars. Then you've got Pearl Prophet, that Pearl is Pearl drums, Prophet is Prophet synthesizer. I was like, as soon as I realized that, I, I thought this is the dumbest thing <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. Why? See, I, didn't, I didn't peg, I didn't click with any of the other ones. Mm. Yeah. Now, do you think it's a good movie or? No. <laughs> no, I don't. Now, it's brought it, it's brought it all together. Bad guy's called Fender Tremolo. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's probably the most ridiculous one because the other ones can almost blend in, but Fender Tremolo, just there's nothing else that sounds like those two words. So, I mean, Rickenbacker sounds like a name. Gibson sounds like a name. Pearl, you know, all those sorts of things. But yeah, Fen- I can pic- Fender Tremolo. Yeah, but I can picture the movie that this would be great in, and it's not this one. Do you know no. what I mean? Like, there's a movie out there where this would be good, and I think it's there's just too many crimes going on that this was this was the final straw. So you were like, you don't get to you don't get to be tricky with the names, okay? Like, I'm not, I don't think it's charming, like you know, and 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 there are people on there's. If all the bad guys had musical names, I'd be like, okay. But it's like everyone. So, like, the good guys, the bad guys, people who knew each other, people who didn't know each other. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, so what? Everyone in this world is a music store? Like, (laughs) did they they get paid endorsements or? Like, you know. It it might just be a testament to how um, maybe under-resourced this movie was. Uh, cause you know, years ago when I attempted to write things, I found character names were actually surprisingly hard to come up with. They are. Yeah. So given that this seems to be a cobbled together movie, that's been like, you know, we've got some leftover costumes, we've got some leftover sets, let's bung a quick script together. Yeah. Well, I think the script was written in two weeks or something, wasn't it? I wouldn't be surprised. So in that two weeks, it's like, oh, shit, we need a bunch of names. It's like, oh, well, I've got my Fender over there. So, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, music stuff. Let's just call them that and, yeah. and move on. Mm. Not good. Um, I think uh, uh, overall, I mean, well, not overall. I just feel like <laughs> I, I feel like this movie was never what I wanted it to be. No. Like it had a wicked poster. 
uh, it was a giant thirst trap. Okay, like mm. I would, I'd always, I thought about it a bunch. I, I had the poster, um, and I would only watch it rarely, you know, as a as a formative in my formative years. But Bloodsport, I think I watch Bloodsport every week, sometimes every day. You know, like, <laughs> whereas, uh, well, movie, were you disappointed that the cyborg wasn't wasn't Jean Claude Van Damme? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we both said it the same. Yes. Yes. The, the cyborg's barely in it, and the cyborg doesn't do anything. There's no yeah. reason for the cyborg to be a cyborg. It was originally the film's original title was Slinger. That would have made more sense. Yeah. Yeah. For um, sure. I mean, I guess then they would have had to ex- actually explain what that means. But um, th- this movie just kind of underdelivered in in every single way. Like the the, the action was crappy. The the martial arts was crappy. Uh, you know, of course, there's nothing else in terms of the story that's uh, any good or interesting or anything like that. It looked bad. Endless sharpening of knives. <laughs> oh, they, they just all the knife sharpening. Hey, and, um, there was a know, scene where they were all sharpening them at the same time as well. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's like, all right, boys, it's twelve o'clock. It's sharpening time. But it, it wasn't just the villains. It was um, Jean Claude was yeah, like you yeah, know yeah. in a completely other direction. I, I guess in in the in the post apocalyptic world, like seven pm is just knife sharpening a clock or something. No, but there was also a lot of getting guys to stab themselves and or and or slit their own throats. So he did that twice in the first scene. He like <laughs> snuck up behind someone and slowly like in an awkward position, standing on like a fucking crate or something. Like, like, you know, that did the old thing where you use the guy's hand with the knife mm. and just to kill himself. And it was too much. They did a bun- that a bunch. And I'm like, stop, <laughs> that. stop that. Just kick uh, him. Just kick him. You're, you're Van Damme. Stop doing things that aren't your kicking. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, listen, that, don't you think that, that the cyborg's redundant? Like the cyborg could be someone who has a computer chip or, or someone you know, who's, plans who's for the Death Star. Yeah, got the plans for the Death Star, you know, R2-D2 or something. You know, at least R2-D2 had some fucking skills. Like he had that little little dick that comes out and goes inside the, the <laughs> mm. tape machine thing, yes. you know. Okay. <laughs> you get the less people. Stops the trash compactor, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. also what – it made no sense. Why is, like, the, the, like the, the, the scientists, the saviors of humanity in Atlanta – and then they had to go somewhere else to get what information exactly that she has to take back to Atlanta? And then why does it have to be a cyborg no, to do the, that? Look, Yuri, don't you get it? The only way to get the information is to is to um, literally turn into a cyborg. <laughs> and then even though we've got the technology to turn you into a cyborg, like, and that's amazing, it's not as amazing as the thing we need you to carry. We need you to yeah. tell people about the cure for this the plague. Okay, but first we've got to turn you into cyborg. Anyway, hold these plans for the hold the hold this memory card with all the information, same information on it, while I turn you into a cyborg. You say, wait, 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 hold it, hold up. Do, if you need, if you've got all the info on the memory card, why do I need to become the cyborg again? Anyway, then you're asking too many questions. Lay down, <laughs> lay down. It's, it's time to begin. Can't, can't you just email it to yourself? We're going to start like... with the dick. No, we're going to start with the dick. The dick saw is coming off first. Okay. <laughs> you don't need that. Anyway, I'll give you the plans after. They're safe in my pocket. <laughs> I imagine the actual answer was they had a leftover uh, unused cyborg animatronic from a failed movie that they just bunged into this one. 
very cynical of you, but I think you're right. <laughs> well, I mean, especially after watching that ducko on 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 Canon Studios or whatever they were, it's um the Canon Group. Yeah, crazy Amazing. Israelis, fucking yeah. crazy Israelis. Menachem Jesus Golan Christ. and Yoram Globus. I mean, even then, like was it Golan and Globus? Even that sounds made up. Well. I always, I never could, I mean, I never could put it together. That After watching that documentary, um, Electric Boogaloo, uh, I, it, it felt like I had a, the piece of the amulet because my whole life I've watched some of their films like so much and they had a, you know, after seeing the doco, it explained everything. I was like, oh, that's why they're so fucking weird is because of this great um, cultural sort of, dissonance mm, <laughs> between yeah. these these, these uh, Israeli guys making movies in America and just the people that they put in their stable, like Charles Bronson and Chuck Norris and stuff, you know, like and loving it, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like an immigrant's idea of what an American audience wants and you go, <laughs> no, it, it's all just a little bit off. Yes, but which is why I loved it, you know, and um, but then but that they, they, they they're really special, but then you know we get films like this, which is the worst type of thing. Mm. It's the worst of canon, you know. I think you just go, oh my god, this the, is the highs thing. are high and the lows are pretty low. One good thing since we've slammed it so hard, you know, really great scream off between Van Damme and the bad guy. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> did you think of that scream off? and like there was so much like slow-mo screaming you know i mean there was a bit of this going on in in, in bloodsport as well and, and and probably in a lot of other fan damn movies there's there's almost like a little bit of homoeroticism going on mm. Oh, well, I watched a, a YouTube video which explored this a bit, uh, and that, and the, the yeah, they were yeah, saying, I think I sent that one to you where where the guy thought it was a conspiracy that Van Damme was actually gay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it, the guy was saying, look, I thought one thing he said was correct is that you know at the end of the day, Van Damme is Euro. You know, he's French mm. or whatever, like a Belgian, whatever. Belgian. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> look. I come from a ridiculous convict nation. Okay, I know nothing about anything, so I'm sorry. Anyway, he's Belgian, and he's just everything's a little bit. They just do. They just do it differently. Like you know, and he would always like and throughout his movies, he was always a much more of a big deal than like there were certainly no female bodies that were allowed to get in front of his rippling like back and butt cheeks. Mm. Well, this is um, this movie had the only titties I think I've ever seen in a Van Damme movie. Yep. And even they were fleeting. And and they were bolted on as well. Mm. Yeah, right. Venga picked up on that. She was like, because I was actually writing some notes when they popped up on screen. And she's like, did you just see that? I was like, what? Oh, you just missed, missed the titties. Like, okay, I've got to rewind that. <laughs> <laughs> we go back. <laughs> of course you did. And then she's like, why do they Why do they look like that? And I'm like, they're fake. <laughs> right. That's disappointing. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I always feel like Van Damme in his movies, he is the, the centerpiece. He's the eye candy. Yes, he is. And actually, it's it's one of my notes where, you know, in the entire like kind of final like po- post climactic part of the movie, because um, he lost his shirt in the final battle, 
And then they took the cyborg back to the scientists and all his, you know, advancements in the building and all the rest of it, and he's still fucking shirtless. It's like, get the man a shirt. He just saved the world. Give him a shirt. He's cold. It's raining. Yeah. I like the the arrogance as well of like, you know, come with us, come with us, uh, Gibson or whatever. And he's like, no, they need a smart there, like for a sequel. And I'm just like, no, 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 they don't. No, they they don't. don't need you. They don't. <laughs> they didn't really need you in this one. Yeah. You know? So don't get too excited. Mm. Well, I mean, maybe $10 million says you're wrong. I don't know. Well, that, that's the thing. I, I love the, this company um, and I love what they do and I love their attitude and um, they, they were right, you know. I mean, in the end, like it was just they were good at that thing, which is, yeah, just uh, lying to people <laughs> about what they're going to go say. And I bought it. I lapped it up. I was like, oh, yeah, that looks good. Well, Yuri, you, you lapped it up too. You paid five bucks for it. Yes, I did. <laughs> and I wish I hadn't. They're still alive and they and I love that you gave them a little bit of money. They still got they still got <laughs> something out of me. Um anything to say on the music, uh, Ricky or uh I, I thought the music was pretty cliched and over the top, to be honest. Right. Lalo Schifrin, no good. Um no good. Lalo Schifrin. Yeah, he did some work on this. Did he? Yeah. Oh. But there's two, so I didn't God I didn't knows. see his uh well. There are two. Yeah, the director's cut has uh, the original score. They had an original score that got thrown out and replaced by the one that that I believe we all saw in preparation for this, I think. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, I think it's it's always a bad sign when you hear a score has been thrown out because I know what the director would have said or, or the producer would have said to the second composer. They would have said, save my film. They were going, you need to save the film. You know, and then they just throw everything in there, everything, you know, the kitchen sink, the whole deal, and it's just too much, you know. Music alone can never save a bad picture, you know. You can make a, a good picture great, but it's never going to save a turd. Uh, well, if you're interested in seeing the doc- the director's cut, um, after 23, year- uh, 23 years, my longtime composer, Tony Ripperetti, has found a VHS telestiny of my director's cut, the only copy in existence, I believe, Pune, the director, tells us. Uh, this is from Dread Central. It has the original Tony Ripperetti and Jim Sard music score, which was thrown out when Canon Films and Jean-Claude took over the editing. The telecine is the of the last cut I never I ever did from the original 35mm work print. And it has a stereo 10 mix. Um, he's also, it hasn't been gone through the MPA and he's, he's I think, selling it on his, on, on his, at the back of his car. <laughs> <laughs> So it's his version of the Snyder Cut. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess uh, so. Oh well, god. Uh, well, I've got one one last piece of trivia for you guys. Um, right. When the film was first released on VHS in Germany, so many violent scenes were cut out that the film ran only fifty eight minutes. Oh my god! Not even reaching feature length. <laughs> <laughs> so it was basically. Two scenes in the flashbacks. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's move on from this. Imagine movie. seeing that version of the film. You'd oh, be God. like, what did I just watch? Well, actually, I must say, and I know we're not selling it very well, but it was um, it was long <laughs> and it was a tough watch. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I've got to say, like, there's one positive note in my notes here. Okay. Um, 
In the flashback where um, Jean-Claude and his, you know, I guess, adopted family uh, get menaced by the villains, uh, the the kind of, the, the way they kill most of the people and the torture device was actually pretty cool, where they tied most of them up with barbed wire, hang them, hung them from the top of a well and gave the other end of the barbed wire to the little girl to hold. Yeah, that so, was... Um, so cuts her hands, yeah. Yeah, it was like, you, you know... You hold this to save your family's life, but it's also cutting into your hands. It's like fuck. That's um, that's something. Famous nod to uh, probably once upon a time in the West. You know, uh, Charles Bronson's character. They stole that from that, did they? Well, it's a, it's. I don't. In this case, since it is a sort of a bit of a neo western, I, I think it's a, a fan. Odd, um, and and it, you know it's a flashback in in once upon a time in the West uh, when Charles Bronson's a kid, he is I believe Henry Fonda rolls up, puts his brother on a puts Bronson's brother like on a crate, and then gives the you know gives the rope to um uh um uh to Bronson I think, and he has to hold it, and uh, so yeah, same same sort of deal, but not as good. They took it to the next level. The well and the barbed wire is is uh, I think a a worthy addition to the the device. All right, come on. Surely it's blood spot time, eh? Yes. Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's do it. For centuries, the Society of the Black Dragon has sanctioned an ancient rite of combat known as the Kumite. Open only to the world's most lethal warriors. It has never been won by a Westerner. You are not Japanese. I can do it. Now, for the first time, the true story of America's super agent, Frank Dukes, can be revealed. Uncle Sam can't afford to let you get hurt. I'm going to Hong Kong. Frank is going to fight in the Kumite, and we're here to stop him. An awesome human weapon. There's me just looking at it. Who infiltrates the Chinese underworld. I did not come this far to stop now. Take him. Enter a forbidden competition. Couldn't you just get me in? Strict rules. No press. You're telling me you never break rules? Where every fighting style, every worthy opponent, every deadly technique clash in savage combat. Time to separate the men from the boys. And only one will triumph. I will break you. International martial arts sensation Jean Claude Van Damme and Blood Sport, the true story of the ultimate champion. Okay, so here we go. Army Captain Frank Dukes goes AWOL to attend a secret martial arts tournament in Hong Kong called the Kumite, in which fighters from around the globe compete in brutal bare knuckle fights with death being a distinct possibility. We discover in a lengthy flashback that Frank is not just doing it for laughs. As a foolish youth, he and some friends broke into the house of Senzo Tanaka. Frank is caught uh, in the act and Tanaka sees some kind of potential in Frank and decides to let him help train his own son, Shingo, uh, in the ways of ninjutsu. Young Shingo dreams of one day entering the tournament, the Kumite, to honour his father and the teachings of ninjutsu, which have been passed down. Uh, over the years we discover uh, that shingo uh, dies unfortunately and his father laments that the lineage of the teachings will be lost frank asks to be trained and senso uh, eventually agrees and trains him in the ways of ninjutsu 
Cut to the present. Now in Hong Kong, Frank makes friends with the burly American Ray Jackson uh, and the both of them being shown the ropes of Hong Kong and the tournament by Victor Lin. Frank proves his connection to Tanaka by showcasing the dim muck or the death touch. And we're off and racing. He's in the tournament. As Frank and Jackson fight their way through contenders, it's clear that whoever wins will have to go through Chong Lee, played by Bolo Young, the current Kumite champion who has even killed some pricks. Meanwhile, Frank has become involved with a nosy and sexy reporter called Janice, who is desperate to discover the secrets of the Kumite. He's also on the run from two army agents who are tasked with bringing him back home unscathed. Ray Jackson battles Chong Lee and is defeated badly. Janice begs Frank not to fight, but he tells her it, uh, uh, he has to do it uh, to honor Tanaka and the lineage of the teachings. Frank fights Chong Lee and gains the upper hand when Chong Lee tries some pussy shit and throws some blinding dust in his eyes. Frank draws upon his teachings to fight blind and he centers himself to kick Chong Lee's ass and become the first American to win the Kumite Bloodsport. Bloodsport. 1988. What, 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 what do we think, Bloodsport? Um, possibly one of the best martial arts movies of all time. For sure. For sure, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Most popular Van Damme film, do we think? Uh, I think maybe between, uh, probably most popular. For me, it was always a toss-up between this and Universal Soldier. Really? Yeah. There was this and Universal Soldier. That's amazing. Like, I wouldn't have picked you as a Unisol guy. At the time. I mean, I've not watched it for probably 25 years, so God knows what I think of it now. But, yeah, at the time, it, it kind of felt like that, that those were the, the two that I liked the most. Okay. The, the thing I love about this, this film is even though not a lot of the fighters in, in this Kumite have any lines – of dialogue, but they all have a backstory that you sort of privy to, and they all have a personality and a unique style to their fighting that um, I think that just enriches sort of the, the story, but also the, the idea of the Kumite, like, like fighters from around the world coming together to showcase their stuff. And it's that classic thing of, you know, which, which style is better? You know, I know some films do that, play on that more, like, what you know, which styles are better. And I know in the early days of the UFC, that was a thing too. But, um, yeah, but I, I love that. Like, you've got the you got the Japanese guy who's, like, kind of like a sumo guy. Uh, you've got a Brazilian sort of uh, capoeira guy. Then you've got, you know, sort of a Thai, uh, Muay Thai guy. You've got a Saudi Arabian guy. Um, you've got this weird African guy who fights in a monkey style, um, <laughs> you know, and then you have Dukes and then you have Jackson, who's more of a, like a, a bare knuckle boxer guy. Um, yeah. And then you've got Bolo Young and I, yeah, I just, I kind of like that, that, uh, that aspect of it. But I also love that it's filmed. Uh, I think it's one of the only films that, that makes use of the Kowloon, uh, walled city, which, uh, if you guys don't know what that is, I, I did send you a little. It was, I think, a German documentary on YouTube. I've seen parts of the doco, yeah. And it's, I watched uh, it's it's great. So what it is is originally, I think, it was like a military outpost, um, but then was sort of turned into residential housing, and they've just built house upon house upon house upon apartment upon apartment, and it's just like this really strange cobbled together 
world uh, where there's no sunlight in there at all. There's these tiny little corridors and people live there, but they also work there. So there's like tiny factories where people are, you know, making rice paper rolls and says there's a noodle factory in there and there's people doing fucking metal work in there. And in one of the docos I saw, there was a guy who said, uh, an Australian guy was interviewing uh, 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 someone there. Well, actually two guys were walking through and he said that there were some, there were some old, really old people who had, who had been born there and never left there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. They'd never left the place, yeah. Yeah. you know, which is staggering. And that, yeah. it, that it could take some of them an hour to get up to the top and down with, with their ailments. But That's right, still, yeah. So a two-hour round trip to go and see your friend up top and come down. Yeah, that's right. And fascinating and terrifying. I think it was knocked down in, in uh, 1996, I think. But yeah, fascinating. And and so that's where the Kumite is set. It's inside there and there's like a gym in there. And um, I'll definitely post a link in our show notes to that documentary that's on YouTube because it's um it's a fascinating Well, place. it's incredible. Like- it's it turns out to be the film turns out to be a documentary, really, because in in of of that part of Hong Kong, even in the fleeting glances we see of it, because it's now it now no longer exists. Yeah. So it's it's really unique and um and-, and also it was a lawless place you know it was run by the triads and it was sort of left alone to be run by the triads so the hong kong government sort of had nothing to do with it and they they even stole power from illegally from uh you know outside they were drawing power and and you know, whenever the power went out, they'd have to put a new cable and a new connection. So when you're going through these tunnels and you're seeing all these these wires above, that's that's all, um, you know, just it's like a snakes upon snakes of wires, you know, um, for power and electricity and stuff. It's just it's mad. It almost um, that reminds me of the movie Dread with um, was it Carl Urban, mm-hmm. where you know just these giant buildings that are controlled by this you know uh criminal organization and he has to find his way up it and it's yeah wouldn't have ever thought that something like that would ever be a real place it's fascinating mm. incredible and absolutely incredible and uh, totally i think taken for granted every time i watched it you know particularly from my my privilege in suburbia you know and just just sitting there going oh yeah and and not really thinking about it as being a real place, and it's now that I see it in context and knowing a little bit, little bit more about the world, I go, wow, that is a really special and unique location, and it, it's sort of the labyrinthine quality of Kowloon gives the film lends it a magical uh, uh, quality because we go down the rabbit hole to get there, you know. Yeah. Now we can talk about Frank Dukes a little later, yeah. and um, <laughs> don't get don't get ahead of ourselves. But I did watch another video where a guy suggests that he was actually there, and he says it it, it occurred not in the place where they say, but it occurred in in like you know something that looked more like a gym. You know yeah. what I mean, like a YMCA like a, or something. Yeah, like like it was more, but was way more official and not like that. And I'm so glad it, they didn't do that, and they <laughs> and they took us down this rabbit hole. And that could, because the fact that we have to go into this lawless place that actually justifies to a certain extent, or rather, makes logical the idea that Chong Li could kill two people there and not be. Um, it's sort of it seems beyond the law where they are. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas if it was at the local place, you'd say, okay, so is someone calling the cops or 
Like <laughs> yes. even when the cops come later, now that you know about Kowloon, you're like, well, what are they going to do? Storm the place? Yeah. You know, like just they can't. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Well, if, if I could just ruin things for a minute. You can. Uh, so there is now an organization called Bare Knuckle Fight Club or something like that. Uh, where they literally do bare knuckle boxing, and uh, it's it's getting quite big. It's getting a lot of traction, and a lot of former UFC fighters are kind of um, at the end of their career going over to to there. And um, a guy just died after one of his bouts. So after one of his bouts, he was then hospitalised, and uh, I think a few days after that, he uh, passed away. You know, and, and th- th- there has been kind of deaths in in boxing in the past. Uh, where it does eventually happen, unfortunately, and, it, and it's, you know, quite horrible and tragic. Um, but it's still, I guess, uh, because you're doing it in this kind of, uh, you know, a sanctioned event, it's not homicide or manslaughter or anything like that. So it is almost within the realm of possibility that Chun Lee could kill people. But 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 he does it dishonorably as well. Like he does it hundred percent after people have already been beaten, you know. Like, he's even yeah. trying he's even trying to get, get the ref involved. He's even trying to kick the ref's ass. Can hmm. I can I ask what the deal is with that ref? <laughs> what do you mean what's the deal with him? <laughs> he he's doing a good job. has no business being a referee at the Kumite. He Why looks not? like he should be working uh, in a parking garage or something. Like Right. Oh, there are worse looking refs in the UFC. He, but he doesn't do anything either. He's got no power to stop anyone from doing any dodgy shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Look, I mean, if it was going to be this this sort of, you know, illegal, underground, life-threatening sort of, yeah, they, they should have got someone who could at least pull someone off. Right. You know, pull one of the fighters off. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'll wear it. I'll wear it. Okay. He's not, I, I, I don't know why I like him. <laughs> there, is, <laughs> there is something likable about him, though. He's just a regular dude. And they make a big, he's in there with all his animals. And they make a big point of, um, of Frank saving the cat, you know, like he saves him. At yes. The, uh, yeah. And, and that's, that's really important is that he's honorable and he's like, he puts him in place and does his dance move to get down to the other corner. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to cover. So, uh, I think this might be, yeah, definitely my favorite Van Damme film, like by a country mile. Like, you know, I like Kickboxer, but this movie has something that one doesn't. Um, I think it might be my favorite canon film of all time. May, I, I love Masters of the Universe. So I, I unapologetically say that. Uh, and I like Cobra, but I think this movie, I watch this, and I know I say this, you know, um, every time we watch it, uh, these sorts of movies, because it has been a while, but. I got a little busted up watching this movie. <laughs> now, come clean. Did this get you, either of you? Oh, yeah. I, I was choking up. Yes. Sure. Come and, on, and I think it has something to do with the amazing montages and the great songs in this in this movie. You know, Fight to Survive um, is just great, you know. And as soon as that music, the drums in the – I love the drums in this movie. Yeah, just I just as soon as it started, I was just like, "Oh yes!" And then it was like, and that 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 backbeat, you know, um, that driving backbeat, yeah, of the uh, and it just starts up, and I could hear the lyrics in my head, even even when they were just doing the 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 score, I was just like, you know, "Body's ready, hearts on fire." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and, and I think 
Yeah, I I think um, I don't want to bring it back to blood uh, to Cyborg, but you know Cyborg didn't have any montages or or any good good songs or anything, you know. And not to say that that would have saved the film, but um, but the, but actually, you know, I, I think you 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 said before, um, you know that that music can improve a film, it can't save a film. Yeah. But then again, it, it it is transformative. Like, I mean, you've got to have something there. You can't have yeah. nothing. But there are so there are so many instances. Like First Blood is a good example. They had a different score on that. And then when they put Goldsmiths over it, it completely transformed the movie. People were like, oh my God, this is triumphant. You know, I really yeah, love this yeah. movie. And this movie, I think, is exactly that. Mm. Without the score this movie would be completely different. It is the absolute heartbeat of the movie. And therefore it's so good that when people aren't talking, this, this movie actually raises significantly above its, its weight. Do you know what I mean? Like I go, Oh wow. Like, you know, this is, and that's the beauty of cinema. That is cinema. When, when you've got um this, uh, you know, this, this ballet dancer doing his, his, uh, amazing work you know and then that music you're just like oh wow this is pure cinema you know and i think that's for me why this movie cuts through and it's something that isn't there in in the later films um a lot of other stuff is there later on by the time we get to sudden death and maximum risk you know big budgets and proper actors surrounding van damme he's a bit better better special effects in time cop you know they're getting closer to being proper real movies and you know but this fledgling little film i think is has got a heartbeat that those films don't have and that's why everyone loves this movie everyone if you meet uh, someone uh okay it's mostly dudes but if you meet a dude and <laughs> venga they, loves this movie yeah well that's great that's great and i and i and i want women to, to write in and tell me that i'm being a pig and say no i love it because i just don't get to talk about blood sport with women often you know it's 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 not something that happens I'd be more than happy to, but it's like this movie just, I think people are just in love with this movie. They're just like, oh, you know, they recognize, even if they're not um, cinephiles, that this movie's got something that, you know, the quest doesn't have. <laughs> yeah. Well, even even Van Damme's like uh, goofy, uh, goofiness is sort of likable, you know. I, I think that's the, the, the thing I was thinking about the other day, like it's got pretty um pretty hardcore full-on uh action and and uh violence in it but at the same time it has a bit of like this child childlike quality because dukes is so um i don't know he's got an innocent quality about him he's very moral he's um yeah i just uh i don't know i think that's an interesting mix you know boy scout well, I think this is the perfect van Damme business card this is the role for him at the right time. So he was 18 when this movie actually came out, which no is shit. crazy. But he's young, he's beautiful. Uh, it compl- it showcases all of his amazing phil- physical abilities. Um, and you're right, yeah, kind of even his, his bad, shitty acting does kind of come off as likeable. And, um, you know, and they really show the shit out of his, you know, glistening ripped physique on multiple occasions. This is like the perfect movie for this man. And those moments that we, we sort of half make fun of, like his iconic screaming, his, his blind acting, 
you know, there are moments in this movie that, well, I just mentioned one before. He's little, he does little grape vines to get, you know, on the, to get down to the corner of the mat and stuff. Like these flourishes, um, uh, he's giving it 110%. Like his, his screaming in slow mo, mm. that gets me with the music. It gets me because he is totally unabashed. He's totally unselfconscious and it's just on the edge of being hilarious. And that's why it's been turned into a gif is because when you take the music away and, you know, you, you take it out of context, of course it looks funny because he's just going, Rah! you know, doing all that. And, uh, but in context with it, with all, all that it's meant to have and, in the, you know, after everything that's come, he is just totally free in a way that, um, is so compelling, you know what I mean? Like those moments should be totally laughable, one hundred percent. But I, I would argue that they're not. Like when he's when he's blind, for instance. I think it kind of clicks over where he's kind of. This is the to me. This is the one movie where he's actually found whatever magic Schwarzenegger has. Because whenever Schwarzenegger, like somehow his ridiculous accent and voice and delivery and all the rest of it. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to explain why, but they're magical and you just love watching it. And I think this is the one movie where Van Damme has captured that same quality. So I think that that's why, you know, that's why all these, you know, it, it's that screaming is almost like it's his not, a, it's not a tumor moment. <laughs> yeah, that's, and it's iconic, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it's really, it's like, you know, we've talked about this before in other contexts, but you know, in terms of singing about who's got the most, you know, recognizable voice, you think of Bob Dylan, you think of Bjork, you know, and now Bob Dylan, I've heard him sing properly and it's very different to the voice he uses, you know what I mean? And, but at the end of the day, his voice is, is iconic. He could be perfectly melodic, I'm sure in, in his day, if he wanted to, but that's not what he, you know, that's not his jam and, and therefore people parody it and therefore you, you win once people parody you. It's that you, you, you've, you've uh, captured, you know, the flag, so to speak. Well, there's a few, there's a few other iconic uh, moments in the film. It has the the classic splits that Van Damme's known for. It's got the the dick punch, <laughs> Johnny Cage. Yep, Johnny Cage. So it does the splits and the dick punch. Um, then the, the the ass shot as well. Oh, he 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 was yeah pausing, waiting for someone to call action, and using some of the pause to so you get more of his ass. Well, you know, a little something for the ladies. Like Wenger said that uh, he's an attract because I asked you know is is Van Damme hot? And she's like, yeah, he's pretty hot. She said he's like she's trying to put her finger on it. She's like he's a beefcake, but he doesn't have a beefcake face. Yeah, so he's he's got the the the, the you soft know, features, soft features in the face, but mm. you know, ripping. He's not weirdly sleazy in this movie either. He, he I think he, he kind of got a bit sleazy, or he came off as a bit sleazy and gross when he got a bit older. Mm. Um, but in this one, is yeah, he's he's young and beautiful. I also think this movie isn't is not just about fighting, and that's why you know, I mean, obviously, when I was a kid, definitely was just about fighting, but. Uh, then when the more you think about it is because Frank wants to win for Tanaka and, you know, the late Shingo and the lineage and it's about honor and, and a new family and, and, and it's a burden, you know, like, like, but, a, but a noble one carrying on this tradition that, that, that his master said was going to die. He, he lamented that it was going to die out after all those years. And he said, no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to carry it on for you and for Shingo and for, for the lineage. I think that's beautiful. You know, I mean, 
that's meaningful. And that, and then it, uh, one great piece of conflict is after Jackson gets uh, maimed, uh, is that Janice says, you know, don't don't fight tomorrow, don't do it. And he's like, you don't get it, you know. I'm not. She's like, don't you don't you know you're going to get killed or whatever. And he's like, it's I have to do it. And he's like, I want to be the I want to be the best I can be, you know, and not just for me, you know. And I think those are that simple message is maybe. It, and again, it's you know why I love it. I love it because it's it's sincerity. And it is, as we've said, you know, Oscar Wilde said that um, uh, all bad poetry is sincere, you know, and this movie, it, those moments, you can laugh at those and, and go, oh, well, you know, it's not the English patient. And you go, yeah, I know, but it's honest and it's it's meaningful in a way, in a dorky way, because, you know, some of the things in life, some of the feelings we have are dorky. They're not, they're, they're hard to defend, but you, they get you anyway. You know, that's why I got choked. Mm. And that's why I think you held them in, Yuri. You held in those tears. <laughs> and they turned into diamonds and rolled down your cheeks. I think when I was younger, I didn't care or pay attention to or appreciate those moments. And now I've seen this movie quite a lot. Um, so it's it's almost, you know, it's it's almost like just re-watching things. You know it's coming up. You're not thinking about it much. You're not really engaging with it after repeated viewings. Um, I think it got to a point where I was just like, oh, yeah, come and get to the fight scene. I, w- I want to I see the helicopter kicks again. Mm. Get it. <laughs> get on with it is what you were but, saying. But, I mean, also, you know, I'm, I am I come from a cold, hard place, you know. No, no, no. Uh, us, us Eastern Europeans are a bit of a different breed. <laughs> no, but it's meaningful. When, it's, when, when the dam breaks, it's big. Oh no, I'm 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 a total pussy, but yeah, um, <laughs> not 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 with this movie. <laughs> hey, does is anyone with me? Victor Lin has all the best lines. He does, he does. <laughs> I love that guy. Was that the the fixer guy? <laughs> yes. He's. I never realized before that he is swearing his head off in this movie. He's brilliant. He's great. Yeah. So I I got my favorite. So my favorite line. Well, for the first, I mean, well, Ricky, do you have any favorites? Do you, you want to? Uh, I'm just trying to think. Um... Oh, when he does the when he does the um uh, the dim mac, he says oh, something funny, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he goes, he goes, he goes. Now, bear, bear in mind, cancellers, that I love this character, and this is the way he talks, and it's not because he's Asian. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so to say that, but he goes, he, it's his intonation as well. There, there's a there's they're taking too long to to sign do, uh, Frank up, and he goes, "What's the hold up?" And then they go. Uh, he says Senzo Tanaka is his shidoshi. What's the difference if Bruce Springsteen is his shidoshi? <laughs> yeah, yes, I love that bit. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. What a great line. I was like, yes, I was like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So good. You know? He was definitely the biggest revelation in this viewing. I'd, I'd never noticed previously how brilliant that fucking guy is. He's the best. Yeah. Th- that's what I like about this movie too. Like, like um, Frank and Jackson become really good friends, and uh, and it seems like they're almost like a trio with this other guy now. Like you know, they 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 become great friends. I think it's, well, it's that's what we like. That's why the first Star. That's why Episode Four of Star Wars is so great. It's because it's 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 new friends, new family, new connections, companions made through you know uh, action and made through you know new experiences. Whereas you know. We seem to now only do these dynasties where everyone is related. 
but there's something nice about going to a, a, a strange land and meeting you know what a, what a great trio you know and they they all they all play off each other you know yeah you jackson you look like a jackson <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> frank uh, ducks no no it's dukes oh like put up your dukes <laughs> yeah, he's so good. He's so good, you know. Has he been in anything else, this guy? Well, I checked and no, I don't think oh, he has. Like, um, That's a missed opportunity. Well, actually, I should have done a bit more checking because I, uh, he, uh, everyone else, like everyone involved, small and large, is, has, is involved in um, other stuff on, on, on Wiki. But actually, I think he has been in some other stuff. Okay. All right. It says... Assistant director, blood sport. That can't be true. Really? That's amazing. If that's true, do you think he was assistant director? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I wouldn't put it past him. He's awesome. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, he, he might have just been, yeah, like an AD or a fixer. Um, because he seems very Chinese. Uh, and obviously he's got good enough English to, to you know, um, you know, do some translating and, and facilitate things. And I don't know. Maybe they just discovered him on set. He was great. So, you know, really, really enjoyable um, character, you know. So, you know, love him, love all that. Um, so in this movie, you can gamble with um, women. Of course. You can say, you can say, um, if, if I take the, uh, you know, the coin out of your hand, then I get the woman, I get the woman. But if, you know, if I don't, then you get the woman. What do you think of that? Well, um, that, uh, I mean, that, that leads me to a couple of things, um, you know, because we, we were, you know, you, you were talking about lines and, and him, that guy saying American asshole is a line that I've always remembered. And um, it also leads me to some of the casting where that character's name is Hassan mm. and he's meant to be um, Middle Eastern. Yes. Uh, played by a Filipino guy. I'm deeply offended. Mm. Well, he yeah. I don't. I, I feel like um yeah. That's it's, it's weird. And then he, um, he, he's a Saudi, isn't he? Saudi Arabian. Well, I just I remember think. Van Damme. He's he says, "Why were you with Hassan?" Mm. <laughs> and he says everything <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, I, I, um, part of the reason why this movie does work so well, and and I, th- I think um, uh, Ricky, you you mentioned some of this where um, you know, they've got all these different um fighters, but m- I think pretty much all those guys are actual fighters. Right. Um, so uh, the Muay Thai guy, um, whose character's name is Paco, now it's very weird to, to have like a, basically a white guy uh, representing Muay Thai, but that guy is actually a legitimate Muay Thai fighter. Mm. And then I think uh, same with the, uh, a lot of the other guys, but um, they, they did, did do this weird kind of mix of... Uh, you know, just just people passing for different nationalities, which you absolutely can't do these days. But the um the Brazilian capoeira guy, I'm pretty sure, is Arabic, because uh, he then plays the main Thai villain in Kickboxer. It's the same guy, and um, Chong Li is I'd, I'd never noticed uh, until this watching, but his character is actually South Korean. Oh, because of the headband. Uh, well, I mean, not just the headband, but yeah, a lot of the times there's there's flags pop up next to them. He's got a South Korean flag because oh. mm. the, the headband looks very similar, but it's not exactly the South Korean flag. But yeah, and there's other instances where it does come up. Mm. Should we talk about Bolo Young? 
Yes. Well, that I, I was going to lead into that because um, another you know another one of my favorite lines was where it's actually a few of them were, you know beautifully dubbed. You break my record now. I break you like I break your friend. <laughs> as well as uh, bricks don't hit back. So after that's Frank classic. Dukes does the demo, yeah. well, here's the thing about that line. So that's said by Chong Lee, played by Bolo Young. Bolo Young was born Yang Zi, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Bolo was actually his character's name from Enter the Dragon, where Bruce Lee says, boards don't hit back. Ah, yes. Yeah. That's, that's a famous line. They've, they've reversed it where the villain says, you know, bricks don't hit back, whereas the hero did, did it in Enter the Dragon, yeah. But, but it is by, said by the guy who's in both movies who's actually changed his stage name to his character name from the previous one. Well, you know, he knew which way the wind was blowing, okay? Mm-hmm. And he was like, I am all in. <laughs> yeah. I'm all in. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to be, change my name to the guy I was, because Bruce was so big, you know? Yeah. He, he has been in so many movies, this guy. Like, I'm just scrolling down the Wikipedia page now, and he's been in movies since 1970 all the way up to 2017. I, I'm not going to count them, but it looks like oh, 80 films, you know. It's crazy. He's got such an amazing look. Yeah. I mean, he's huge. He's a bodybuilder, but even for a bodybuilder, he's got a very unique physique where he's got these incredibly out of proportion pecs. Uh, He just just looks like a villain. He's bizarre looking. Well, he does that famous uh, pec flex Mm. in, in most of the films, you know. Well, that's become a gif as well, hasn't it? You know, all of, all, all of it, all of these bits have. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, I mean, weirdly, he's because he's staying away from talking in this movie, like, and like they've got a couple of key moments that we've talked about with that ADR and they make a big deal of it, but mostly he doesn't talk. And so he does this sort of like really big showman, silent showman stuff where he never speaks. Yeah. Do you notice that? <laughs> I, it, it's only this, again, it's only in this viewing where I, I was looking at that thinking, like, you can see he's screaming when he's actually doing that. I think they've just cut the audio. Right. Because you can kind of see, like, the kind of veins in his neck and stuff. It's all kind of pulling. Like, I'm sure he would have been yelling on the day. Okay. But given that they dubbed him, they probably didn't want to dub that as well. Well, I've got to say, there's um, there's an army guy very early on in the piece who's like an American character, and he's completely dubbed by someone else's voice as well. So it's it's oh, not yeah. yeah, it's not race related the dubbing. That that was weird. I I watched uh, I watched a little bit more of it. Uh, well, I rewatched parts of it uh, just before we started recording. Yeah, and I did notice that that weird captain guy mm. is is dubbed for some weird reason. Yeah. I think we should move on to this big topic. We need to talk about Frank Dukes. Oh, <laughs> you mean the, the the real Frank Dukes? So so yes. So so Yuri, mm. you you ruined my life. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you sent me this fucking video, you know, where this guy told me that it might be the case that Frank Dukes is um, maybe a fraudster. Did you not know this? 
Well, I'd heard, I, I wanted to believe so hard, you know, that I just sort of never really gave, never really, like people would maybe mention it and I'd just go, oh, what? Like, you know, and I'd eat my steak in the Matrix, you know? Yeah. Thinking that Frank Dukes was still a wicked ninja. So I've actually got a quote here, for, just quickly, I'll read out this quote. This is from the writer, Sheldon Lettich. I'd known Frank Dukes for a couple of, for a number of months before I came up with the idea for Bloodsport. Frank told me a lot of tall tales, most of which turned out to be bullshit, but his stories about participating in this so-called Kumite event sounded like a great idea for a movie. There was one guy who had, whom he introduced me to named Richard Bender who claimed to have actually been at the Kumite event and who swore everything Frank told me was true. A few years later, this guy had a falling out with Frank and confessed to me that everything he told me about the Kumite was a lie. Frank had coached him in what to say. Frank also used to tell me and just about everyone he spoke to that uh, that he had participated in secret missions for the CIA and the US military, that he had won the Medal of Honor for his terrorism. He even showed me the medal, which he had supposedly been awarded by the president. Years after afterwards, when numerous people began questioning his stories, he stopped claiming that he won the medal and then began <laughs> claiming that he'd never told anyone he'd won it. He even tried to convince me that he'd never told me he won the medal or that he even shown it to me. But then, by then his entire house of cards had collapsed and nearly everyone he knew, knew everyone knew that he was just a delusional daydreamer and a big bullshitter. <laughs> well, I- because um, you know, supposedly, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, this is all based um, on a true story in the life of this guy Frank Dukes, um, and Van Damme plays plays him in the movie. And um, I'd never bothered reading properly before because at the end it freeze frames on Van Damme, then you know, doing a the, like the like, traditional Chinese sort of bow, and uh, text appears on the screen uh, saying this is based on the life of Frank Dukes and all of his amazing accomplishments. And I'd never bothered reading them properly, but reading them this time, he claims that in five, in the span of five years, he was in 329 fights. That's so just to put it into context, <laughs> um, uh, so Thailand is huge with Muay Thai. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of poverty that happens there and, and, and a lot of, you know, the main career for, for the males is becoming a TIE fighter. And they start, they start competing when they're five or six years old Actually, saw some and they compete. Yeah. It's, um, crazy. And they Look, compete. They start with the kids earlier in the night and then, um, then it was the older guys and the, yes, it was, it was crazy. I couldn't believe it. And they do it all the time because that's all they do because that's the way they can feed themselves and then some of them become big stars and start having a good life. But, you know, this is, you know, fighting and competing is their life. And those guys struggle throughout their entire career to get over 300 matches. And this fucking guy (laughs) claimed in the movie 329 in five years. Maybe he's just a really good fighter. I mean... The best fighter. In five years, that's... He's yeah, a ninja fighter. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> and then... Well, just you say, says you. Most consecutive knockouts in a single tournament, 56. Yeah, he's strong. Really we didn't see 56 extras in this entire fucking movie in those arenas. <laughs> I know, but... 56 in one tournament? How many people were fighting in this fucking tournament? 
it's just, just even the numbers that that he put on screen were just so ludicrous. I can't believe I'd not read them properly before. And yeah, the video fastest knockout, fourteen seconds. The videos Look, of him are outrageous, like him talking and stuff. Like he's, you know, he's got sunny. He's wearing sunnies all the time indoors and stuff. And he's he's yeah, a fantasist. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> like a total fantasist. Absolutely. And, uh, but and, I mean, he uh, he managed to uh, get this movie supposedly made about him. So, um, well, that's what got me thinking. I, I got a couple of questions because you know, do you think um, that like you know, is it okay for this lie for this movie? Like, what does the food this does this film rely on this being true? Yes. Okay. So, if that without, do you think that it would have affected the success of the movie if it wasn't a attached at the end i think so i I think it definitely helped i I still think it would have had success but not the success that it did i i think that 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 freeze frame at the end and seeing that text is kind of like the cherry on top you know because you you would leave the cinema going oh my god i can't believe because you'd go to it just thinking you're seeing an action movie then you come out and you think you've seen this amazing documentary you know about this real life uh, amazing fighter, and then you tell someone, you know, when you're telling your your mates, you go, "Oh, it's a great movie, and it, and it's based on a true fucking story as well." You got to see it. Yeah, that's right. Well, so, but yeah, what is the relationship between martial arts, sort of film and frauds? Because we've talked about this with Seagal. Yeah, yeah. He's, this is the, who's who's a bigger liar, Steven Seagal or Frank Dukes. Definitely Frank Dukes. Yeah. Is it the Medal of Honor? I mean, Seagal is a legit Aikido master. Yes. Can I, can I read you a quote here sure. that I've got written down? I say, so uh, writing in the book Action Speak Louder, Eric Lichtenfield said that when his exploits are questioned, Dukes counters by actually exploiting his lack of substantiating evidence and spinning it into even wilder stories. Dukes says that the reason he no longer has the sword he was presented with at the Kumite is that he sold it in a failed attempt to buy the freedom of a boat of orphans, whom he later rescued from pirates, Uh, that he stopped a plot to assassinate Steven Seagal, and that discrepancies in his uh, martial arts history are the work of fabrications by his rivals, including ninjutsu master Stephen K. Hayes. The, well, it's a it's Trump stuff. Trump does that sort of, <laughs> exactly. Where he where he says he just says you know some people say, and then he'd say after a whole bunch of stuff, and you go really did they say that? And he said, well, you know, like the, the, so <laughs> that that's code for I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, well, it is, it is. But he's a bit cleverer than Frank. I love that. What I love about this story, because it builds and builds, it's like, you know, the Medal of Honor, the president gave it to me. Here's the medal. And then, like, later on, you ask him, and then he's like, no, 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 I didn't get the president. And then you say, oh, but can I see it? And he said, no, 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 I never showed it to you. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, I love it when people do that. Yuri, it's like casino, you know? When the fuck did I ever tell they tell you? Asked you? I when did I ask you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Like, I, I just love it. Like the most bald faced lies. Like when you just go, oh my god, you're, you're crazy, you're crazy. Oh, uh, that's a shame. So he's he's a lunatic. But I I put this to you, you know, because at the end of the day, this is cinema. 
And, you know, Fargo did the same thing, uh, you know, maybe to a, to a different um, different degree maybe. But uh, th- they came across as, um, as, as lovable tricksters, you know. I mean, uh, so the Coen brothers say that Fargo is based on a true story, which many people believed in the same way that they believed, you know, many others. Uh, they also have, pretend- have posed, uh, they-, they created an editor that is actually them. Do you know what I mean? So Roderick James is actually them. So how come they're sort of impish and fun and it's all fun and games and it's all, oh, they're just amazing artists and it's all fun. Oh, it's so they're so clever. Whereas Frank Dukes is doing his own Andy Kaufman shit and we hate it. We're like, oh, you, is it because it's fighting? Is it because he's not mm-hmm. strong? Um, it, it's also sleazy and potentially dangerous. And um, he, uh, I, I saw a YouTube video with the stunt coordinator from The Quest, uh, which Frank claims to have co-wrote and then sued over, and I think he lost his lawsuit. Um, but apparently um, the actual stunt coordinator from The Quest actually was at a dinner with Frank Dukes, and he didn't say anything until Frank started claiming that he'd done he'd been the stunt coordinator from the quest. Oh God. Not knowing who, the, who he was sitting across from. What are the chances? And this guy gets up and goes, no, you fucking weren't. I should know. <laughs> I was. You were yeah. not there one day on set and then walked away. But then, no, he should have waited because I, I would have wanted to hear Frank say, I never told you that I was, I was on the quest. <laughs> <laughs> it I never, been, yeah. It would have been worth seeing what the response would have been. That would have been <laughs> worth right. the price of admission alone. He'd, he'd say, I know, he'd say, I never said it. In fact, you said you were on the quest. And that guy would say, I know. That's what I just said. He says, see? You know, see. But, I mean, the, the the problem from the martial arts side of things is that then these shysters then go supposedly teach people right how to defend themselves, which can be potentially dangerous. Yes, if you've got a, a an inflated view of of what you're actually able to do, and that's still actually a really big problem with a lot of martial arts, uh, especially in China. Uh, so now I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this guy's name, something like. Um, Zhang Zidong. Oh, yeah. Not sure if I'm saying that right, but it's spelt with X's. Uh, but anyway, basically, um, this guy is this, I think he's maybe in his 40, 40s now, stocky, but a little overweight. And he's, he's a Chinese dude um, who'd done some traditional Chinese martial arts and then got into MMA a while ago and has had some middling success in, in MMA, you know, on, on any sort of stage. But he's uh, kind of become internet famous because he was sick of all these uh, supposed Chinese martial arts masters who were still claiming all these ridiculous abilities uh, to this day. And then he started challenging them to actual fights. So he's fought uh, supposed Kung Fu masters and um, Tai Chi masters and and other traditional um or guys who claim to be traditional Chinese martial arts masters and a lot of these no-touch chi masters, and he's beat the living shit out of them. But the thing is that these people have got huge followings. They make these supposed masters make huge amounts of money, uh, enjoy huge privileges uh, It's to this day, and, um, you know, teach supposedly teach all these thousands of, of students how to defend themselves when really they're just selling them snake oil. So it's it's um it's still like a problematic thing, and and you can still get away with a lot of that sort of bullshit. So I think um actually you asked what is it about martial arts where you can do that? It's like because there's still the ability to to have all these claims and still be untested, 
so a, a lot of these uh, supposed masters, even after he's done kicking the absolute shit out of them, they still come up with these weird, bizarre excuses for why they failed. But, oh, no, if it was real life or death, I'd do this, but I couldn't do that now. So I ended up just getting my face punched in instead. So there's still that element where you can still just bullshit your way through with a lot of this martial arts stuff. It's it's a little bit like self-proclaimed uh, prophets and... Um... And cult leaders, in a way, yeah, they almost like, do become cult-like leaders because they uh, they need a following. You know, they need uh, they need a, a healthy stable of of people who are going to come to them for lessons and uh, for teaching, so that they can uh, not only, I guess, earn a living, but I, I think there's part of it is. Uh, being being worshipped in in a way, sort of like as this grandmaster guy, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, so the Chinese government has actually come down incredibly hard on this dude because he's exposing all these supposed masters who who enjoy these very lauded and privileged positions inside, from what I understand, inside Chinese society. And the government is like, no, this is uh, bad for. I think they said Chinese values or something that like makes that. Sense, and, um, though. They, so he's they... not he's um he's not allowed to leave the country. The last couple of fights he did, he he had to wear uh, face paint, which first people thought it was some sort of like warrior face paint, and he himself did it to look cool. But it was actually the government saying, no, 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 you have to make yourself up like look like a clown to discredit you. <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> the yeah, CCP. His... I love the CCP. They are the best bad guys that we could ever have been given. Do you know what I mean? Like that is some mad shit. You know? Oh, you've got to. We need you to look like a clown. That is crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Where are all the action movies where CCP are the bad guys? You know, that's got to happen. Yeah, it'll happen uh, when Hollywood stops holding out their hand for money to make them. Yeah, like you know, like you know, we've talked about this. The 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 I keep saying there hasn't been a movie that that even mentions China, let alone is critical of it since 1997, Red Corner, Richard Gere, last film. That's weird. That's weird because you know China is one of the biggest economies in the world. It's just a bit strange that we have a lot of movies that can't mention China, yeah, or even say anything about it. Where every every fucking movie you watch, it's America. With some domestic terrorist problem, like, and it's or you know, it's always the same. It's like it's always a diehard setup where it's like, yeah, Ethan Hunt or whatever, and a bunch of domestic terrorists, you know, yeah. or like, yeah, or all these endless movies about how America hates itself and America's corruption and all that. And you go, yeah, okay, let's just have one movie where, like, you know, someone, I don't know, let's just say some random country builds a a, a military base in the middle of the ocean that's in contested waters. And like you know, threatens other countries with like invasion, and you know, or and and has has proxies that fire missiles over Japan and stuff. And everyone's like, "Oh yeah, that sounds terrible." And I go, "Yeah, I know. Yeah, it all <laughs> happened like last <laughs> last couple of years. You yeah. know, can't do it though." Oh, CCP, that's crazy. Well, um, Frank Dukes, that's a shame that you've destroyed my dreams about him. Um, I happen to think that, you know, there's a line from John Ford's The Man Who Shot Liberty Balance, when the legend becomes fact, print the legend. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, if we're talking about cinema, I think you're absolutely right. When it comes down to teaching people and, and you know, those dangerous elements and all of that, 
if they didn't teach people and they were just sort of a bullshitter and like like sort of who, who just wandered around and gave speeches and was in that and said they were in this movie and do that, I could I would be happy with that. I'd be like, okay, that's fine because there's a lot of noble lies that I put up with, you know. Like and and if it means I can have blood sport and believe in it, then that's okay. Um, it's a shame that he's a filthy, disgusting liar. <laughs> Well, I mean, I still don't think his crimes are as big as, as many other people. So, I mean, I think I think he had his own martial arts school, but I, I don't think he was particularly successful or anything like that. Um, so it wasn't huge, but um, he's still a dick. <laughs> he is a dick. But, like, and part of me, like, when I heard how successful it was, don't you ever think you're like, oh, maybe, maybe I should just lie a bunch if it meant that I could be successful for a bit? Yeah. Do you know, you have that thought where you're like, oh, you've got too much integrity. You don't think like that. I was just like, oh, yeah, maybe I could just like just be a, yeah, just a fabulous liar. And Do you, and- do you think it's harder to lie uh, in today's day and age with, with the internet, Wikipedia? Yeah. Like, could you be, could you be Frank, Frank Dukes? Well, you've got to be today. that guy from um, Don't Fuck With Cats. You've oh, got to yeah. be, you've got, which is a documentary, incredible documentary yeah. um, about it, just a complete psychopath. Like, you, if you want to be a modern day liar, like, you need to work 24 7. You've got That's to right. Yeah. You need thousands of different uh, social media accounts and stuff. It's like yeah. a real job. Yeah. But isn't, isn't that a little bit of how QAnon started? I've not seen the documentary about it, but I've, I've heard that it might have just been some reasonably young guy just making some shit up. And then mm. it caught traction. Well, obviously, um, popular. Cut to the 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 Q shaman in the January six riots. Yeah, <laughs> proof yeah, of concept. Exactly. Yeah, fuck. I tell you what, no one has ever done anything of like of that you know import like based on anything I've ever said. Okay, like I say a lot of stuff. No one stormed the Capitol over any of it. Okay, no. I've said it's okay to have a chubby. I've said they're not listening. They don't want to know. They're like, we don't care, okay? Whereas Q said some shit and then they all were like, yeah, let's storm the Capitol, you know, bring cable ties and the rest of it, (laughs) you know? Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) (laughs) Just to to backtrack a little bit to uh, one of your side boob cinema uh, reviews because okay. it's it's a little bit related when you guys yep. did say anything. Uh, now I still haven't seen the movie, but after you, I, I I never knew that John Cusack's character was actually meant to be a kickboxer. Yes. Uh, so I googled um, the the scene where he's actually doing his workout, and uh, you're right, his he can't kick for shit. He sucks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I got a little heat when I said this. Like you know, I believe Ricky said, "Oh, but he just started," and I he said, did. "No, no, no." I know, but I said I did do some kickboxing, some Bob, some Bob Jones Muay Thai. I tell you what, I never done a kick like that. <laughs> okay, it's simple. The, the beauty, of, the beauty of those kickboxing kicks is they're simple. Do you know what I mean? Like in terms of what you got to do, like it's just like you know, pivot on the foot and just smash that shin as hard as you can into you know something, something in the midsection if you can, whatever. And he was doing this mad sort of real. I don't know what would you call it, Yuri. What was he doing? Limp. <laughs> limp. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he was look. He he wasn't turning his hips into it. He was just kind of flicking his leg out there. Which, um, yeah, that's that's uh, not the way to do it. I mean, look, there's potentially a place for that sort of kick because it's a lot faster. And if you almost want to use it like a jab, 
Um, but that's not what he was trying to do. He, he just wasn't good yet. I'm, I'm sure he got a lot better uh, given that, you know, uh, according to your guys' podcast, his continued kickboxing to this day. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure a couple, you know, the next year if they'd filmed that movie, he would have been doing a much better well, job. Let's but... be clear. I don't want him to challenge me to a fight. Oh, he's and pretty old now, though, isn't he? He is. Like, you know, and part of me thinks I could take him, but then, you know, never know. He did spend 20 years with Benny the Jet, Akitas. So I don't know. Like, maybe yeah, he'd, he'd probably kick all their asses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe well that's some good feedback that's good that's good and i love that you listened to the episode and you hadn't watched the movie that's perfect yeah. that means we gave you everything you needed to know yeah yeah you were like oh, i don't done. need to watch that movie anymore <laughs> you're like that's done <laughs> yeah that's fucking yeah. done good yes very good all right well i think we should probably wrap this up what do you think uh, look, I, I got a i got a couple of quick quick notes about oh no, about no please do no 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 um so I'm not sure why they kept on pairing up uh, until he fought Chong Lee. I'm not sure why they kept on pairing up Jackson, who's one of the biggest guys in the tournament, with the smallest guys in the tournament. Right. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's because that guy actually doesn't, you know, he, he's just meant to be like an American brawler. He doesn't actually have any fighting skill. Uh, so maybe it was for plausibility's sake. I don't know. But his first two matches are with these tiny dudes that he just squeaks. literally throws out of the ring. Mm. Oh yeah, there's one shot where there's um, like a white guy. Uh, I think he's fighting one of the Chinese dudes, where he gets caught with this like um, a spinning heel kick, and then turns and jumps in the complete opposite direction of where he just got hit. And I, I remember that guy from when I was little because it's in slow mo as well. It's like he's going the wrong way. Why is he jumping that way? Right. That, there's a couple of those moments, isn't there? Where there is, where there you is. just go, hmm, okay. <laughs> um, uh, the the African guy that Dukes fights. Now, I don't think it's the guy who did who was doing the monkey style fighting. It's it's the other bigger, taller guy. Yeah, the tall guy. Yeah, who does that weird pre-fight psych out? Yes, if you remember, he gets his ass kicked, ass kicked straight away. Yeah, uh, I, I always thought that was a great. Almost like a comedy moment because even when I was younger, and even now, that that psych out thing, I've always found that terrifying. And then he just gets knocked out with one blow. I'm like, hmm, that's almost like a comedy beat. And yeah, that's no, great good stuff. Loved it, loved it, and and it's real cool, really good kick as well that he, <laughs> that he gets. Oh yeah. It, yeah, it's a bit like in Indiana Jones where the guy pops out with the swords and makes a big yes. show. He does this showy thing with the swords. And Don't then... worry, you won't be seeing any more of that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, actually, and then he just shoots him. I I recently saw a movie called Boss Level. Okay, where they reference that exact scene. Okay, uh, except it's a woman this time who's Finally. flinging the sword around, and she's right. Chinese, right. and she makes fun of it. It's like she makes fun uh, of it. Yeah. Does she get shot? No, she dodges all the bullets. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> she does not. Does she? Yeah, that's terrible. That's, that is, that's uh, apart terrible. from like a couple of little woke bits of bullshit like that, it's actually an enjoyable movie. Okay, I um, think it's got my man Mel in it, doesn't it? Uh, I don't know who that is. Gibson. Oh, Mel, Mel Gibson. Gibson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's he's the arch bad guy. Uh, it's good fun apart from that. But anyway, okay. going back to um, Bloodsport, um, in his final fight with Chong Li, he does four helicopter kicks in a row. Yes, which Excellent. they're amazing. Completely unrealistic because they're the slowest, most telegraphed things in the world. 
but it still looks awesome. I just love that 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 was it was born so bombastically. You know, like it didn't they didn't just do one and go okay, moving on. They said no, no, do four of them. Yeah. In fact, get it from the behind, and we'll just cut between the two. You guys would have heard how Van Dam got this gig. Yeah, he, he went up to the uh, head of Canon Studios and, and did one of those above his head. That's right. Yeah, what, like waited around. Uh, I don't know somewhere. Just waited for him for hours, and then just came up to him and did this amazing kick. Mm. But in stark contrast, his first fight against Hassan is. Total bullshit. So Hassan just throws a punch and then waits there while Frank catches his arm and then elbows him kind of or backfists him or something. Uh, so it's one of the least impressive fights, but you just kind of go, ah, okay, it's the start and the building up to the good stuff. Uh, but unfortunately, in real life, he split that motherfucker's lip open with that elbow. Well, that's <laughs> so it's the, it's the it? least entertaining fight to watch but it's the one where the guy got hurt. So no one, it seemed like no one got hurt with those amazing helicopter kicks, but uh, a terrible little shitty elbow busted a guy's lip well, open. Well, that's that's always the way, you know. The most impressive stuff is the least effective, you know. Mm, that's right. And um, just one last thing, which I found incredibly weird, which ties in with a little bit of the, um, you know, kind of homoerotic type of marks, uh, remarks I was making about how there was some of that in um, Cyborg in this one. He says, I love you to Jackson, not the girl. Yeah, well, you're right. This is, but this is a buddy film. Like, you know, the, yeah. the um, yeah, Janice is, uh, is just, just the, just the, prize. Well, she, she's, okay. it's <laughs> almost like she's a bit of fun, but the real relationship, <laughs> yes, is Jackson. The real yeah. love story is between Frank She'd and Jackson. She'd be looking Jackson. at the way that they're looking at each other and saying, why does he look at me that way? Yes. You know, yes. he's like, you know, he's saying anytime. <laughs> like, you know, like, and she's like, you know. He but was she's so- very ma- manipulative though. Like she'll do oh, almost anything to get to get that scoop on the kumite. No, well, I believe all women, as you know, so I would I would never say that. Um, <laughs> I just think that she was, you know, strong and powerful and doing a job and you, you're saying that she's a liar and we shouldn't believe her. <laughs> Uh, just because, just because she had sex with Frank <laughs> straight away, and then turned up with another dude the next day, at kind the of yeah. as a prostitute by yeah. the looks of it. Like yeah. she was dolled up, like she wasn't just there. Like you know what I mean? Like I mean, yeah. someone might with a baseball cap on, just yeah, just yeah. watching a sporting event. No, yeah. no, she did. The, her hair was fabulous. Okay, and she was with like a high flyer. And what do you think? He doesn't want anything at the end of the day. Mm. He wants a slice of the action, okay? And by that, I mean sexual intercourse. Okay. <laughs> Yuri. Just, just making that clear. <laughs> Did you get that, Yuri? Uh, yeah, see, I, wasn't, I didn't pick up on what you were getting at until you just said sexual intercourse, so yeah. Okay, okay well, we now ta- continue <laughs> taking notes as we go. <laughs> so, oh. yes, excellent stuff. So... Just wrapping up, this this movie was a big success, yeah. It made fifty million dollars, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, right. I guess it was made on a budget of uh I've got written in my notes here like two million. Yeah. It's huge. And I mean the sequels, no good. Don't watch them. They're terrible. And I fell for every single one of them at the video store. Uh did you watch the more recent one where he's back? Oh no, I can't. They're, all these guys on your Insta are trying to get me involved. They're like, Oh, 
They're like, no, he, his stuff, like, you know, had a bit of an off period, but now it's getting good again. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not good. But I, I did watch it because um, there are some actual UFC fighters in that one. Okay. Uh, and um, just kind of bring it back to the UFC stuff a bit. Again, um, a, lot of, a lot of those fighters actually referenced this movie as part of the reason they got into that profession. Wow. Mm. Well, that says everything. Yeah. And he actually... Um, just, you know, uh, I guess to answer a question that no one asked, but we were talking about if Seagal is legit. Um, so Van Damme did actually have uh, a bit of a, well, in Europe they called it kickboxing, but in America they would have called it, I think, karate. So he did have a bit of a, a, a good career in his youth. Uh, but then he, much more recently, I think this was maybe about four years ago, he actually came in and did some sparring with... Uh, a guy who at the time was uh, a UFC champion on one of the weight divisions and almost knocked him out with one of his kicks. Oh, that's cool. Mm. So they were doing this kind of light sparring sort of thing and he flicked his leg out so fucking quick that this guy, who's actually known for his speed and his reflexes, just did not see him coming and it clipped his nose. Oh, wow. And Van Damme immediately starts going, oh, shit, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, shit, shit, shit. And, you know, the guy gets all pissed off and all the rest of it. But, um, no, man, his, uh, his legs uh, are something else. So even, I mean, he would have been maybe even in his 50s at that point. Yeah. He still had the, you know, speed. Obviously, he fucked up a little bit by actually hitting him. I don't think they were meant to be making contact. But, um, mm. yeah, no, he's, he's got some amazing legs. No, oh, that's cool. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I would hate you've already destroyed me with Frank too. So I'd hate for you to say, as it turns out, yeah, Van Dam is a liar, <laughs> fucking liar as well. That's what I thought you were going <laughs> to say. He's no good. No, no, he, he's he's uh, he can he can probably do some stuff. So uh, I, on that on that same video I watched with the uh, stunt coordinator from the Quest, um, the, uh, the guy who was interviewing him asked, "Oh, who do you think would have been the best fighter on that movie?" Because um, the people they cast in that film were actually legitimate fighters as well. And this stunt coordinator guy seemed to think that um, Van Damme wouldn't do well against any of them. Uh, but then again, by that point, I mean, he stopped being, uh, you know, he stopped properly being a fighter when, you know, in his teens and then became a movie star. So there's a you know, big difference between, you know, film martial arts and then, you know, actual sparring. I mean, there's people who think that Bruce Lee wouldn't have actually been much good compared to, you know, professional fighters at the time. Um, it's kind of, you know, one of the big answered questions. So, mm-hmm. um, but again, uh, yeah, kind of to make the same point again, um, fan names kicks, man. Fucking amazing. Yeah. Hey, have any of you guys seen uh, JCVD? No. Yes. Yes, I, I, saw I, that. I read. I read it's very good. Um, I think it's helped by the fact that it's in French, because I tend not to pick up on bad performance as much when it's subtitled. Yeah. I th- maybe because I'm not as familiar with how things are actually meant to be said, so if they're being delivered properly or not. But mm. um, at the time, I thought it was all right. And there's, you know, um, JC has this big moment where it's almost like he's almost like delivering like a soliloquy, like straight down the line to camera, and he gets all emotional and kind of teared up because it's um it's semi uh biographical so it's he's playing himself and it's based on his real life but i think things are heightened and you know mm. uh but it's it's worth a watch it's interesting i'm a purist i, I only want the early stuff i don't i, I told you I, nothing after um double team 
even then, I was even just like, then. Well, I know I plotted it on. I was just like, I was there on the ground. I was like watching this as it was happening. I was like, oh my God, it was getting worse and worse and worse. And, and, and then, in, you know, he just totally fell off, you know, Legionnaire, all that stuff. And I was like, what is this crap? You know, like just, yeah, I think that, um, this early stuff, kickboxer, blood sports, great. You know, you know, death warrant, wrong bet, all that stuff's good. Sudden death, time cop, you know, maximum risk, maybe. Double impact? Double impact. How could I forget? Double impact. Great stuff. And um, yeah, totally fell off. And this new shit, I'm just like, I don't want to see him like old and gross. Like, I want to see him do something proper. He's always like, yeah, an appendage or doing some meta nonsense, you know, where it's like, oh, I'm JCVD. It's like, no, 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 I don't care about that. I want you to do something where you're wicked and like actually wicked, like Rocky Balboa, the, you know, the comeback film. Yeah. You know? Mm. Why have you got to do it? Like, why have you got to just you know, ruin it? You're ruining it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Huh? All right, we said what we said. We said what we said. Another successful mano a mano. Thanks again, Yuri, for uh, stepping on board. Thank you. Is, uh, I love these. They're great fun. I look forward to it. Well, we have, we've got to think about who we're doing next. I feel like we need to do some Chuck Norris, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Talk about sure. it. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I thought maybe Dolph. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do some Dolph. Let's do it. Well, long live the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. No, you, you don't know what it is to be a slinger. <laughs>